Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for movies about stuff and talking about the trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's fucking right. Shut the fuck up about everything else. Zack Snyder's Justice League is coming out on uh, the April. What what day? I don't even care. I'm so excited. It just comes out. Caleb, you talk. Yep. Zack Snyder finally got his foreskin cut after all this time, and he's ready to show us. Okay, so already the number one thing that everyone's going to meme on, because everyone memed on uh, the Martha scene from Batman versus Superman, and I'll give it to him. Why did you say that name? I'll give it to him. That scene isn't the best, but I totally understand what they're trying to do there. Uh, So, of course, everyone at the end of the trailer, when Jared Leto's Joker comes out and says, we live in a society, everyone's just like, we live in a society. And it's like, cool, everyone's just memeing (laughs) on this now. But it's only a so-society. That's true. We have an unimpeached president, or an un what? What is the what is the term? Un, uh, he was uh, unindicted. Like, I don't know. Yeah, acquitted. Uh, there we That's go. the word I was looking for. Not not it, acquitted. Okay, so I'm gonna just talk about this real quick because this is rage inducing. I think that Mitch McConnell might be worse than Trump because he he voted to acquit and then immediately said he's guilty. And that's and that's American politics. Yeah, when you don't give a shit about the Constitution that Caleb read, uh, that means you shouldn't be serving in public office. Uh, it's true. Okay, uh, Justice League trailer. Oh, I was watching Remember Me and saw that it it came out, so I started watching it and I saw Superman screaming and surrounded by lightning, and then I stopped it so I could finish Remember Me. You tell your side of the story. So I was watching Remember Me. And then I saw the trailer came out, and I went, okay. And then I watched it on my phone like a fucking idiot, like on Twitter, because they do that, like, 4 by 3 thing for some fucking reason on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hate them for it, but it doesn't matter, because I watched the trailer anyway. Uh, and it was awesome. We have Black Suit Superman. Steppenwolf doesn't look like a fucking uh, jackass anymore. He actually looks kind of cool. Uh, and I don't hate his name. Yeah, I like the helmet design. Right. Uh, Steppenwolf came out first, and then the band took the name Steppenwolf from him. So, it's, uh, or it was around the same time, doesn't matter. The The point is, is the name Steppenwolf isn't a problem, Nick. <laughs> but I'm so excited. Like, I watched, and it's on HBO Max as well, but, uh, the animated Justice League cartoon from, like, the early 2000s, which I used to watch with my dad because my dad is also a massive comic book nerd. Uh, is, is there, and, like, seeing Darkseid and all those people just fucking made me geek out. Like, yes, I am a DC fanboy, I will admit it, but, like, I will also admit whenever they have issues. Uh, Suicide Squad was an entire issue, but Justice League, not as much of an issue as everyone thought it was for some reason. Apparently, uh, the name of the band Steppenwolf came from Herman Hesse's novel of the same name. Okay. So there you go. I'm glad you looked. Uh, and that's presumably where the DC character 
got his name from. Let me see where Steppenwolf comes from. Uh, 1972. Oh, and I guess Steppenwolf first started in 1961. Who cares? It's a cool name. They had a they had a different name, but yeah, the band changed its name in 1967 to Steppenwolf. Oh, and uh, the the Herman Hess novel came out in 1927. So there's a history lesson for the uh, etymology I'm learning. of... <laughs> That's a history lesson for the etymology of Steppenwolf. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, May 18th. So you know what I'm huh. fucking doing. Apparently there was a film adaptation of Steppenwolf starring Max von Sydow. That makes sense. All right, I got to get off Wikipedia. Right? Uh, is there anything else you want to tell me about this trailer? For the good cut. Black Suit Superman. That's it. I'm very excited for Black Suit Superman. Because that's like his Superman... Not Superman Returns, but Death of Superman uh, costume. Yeah. Uh, But no, I'm done with the trailer. I'm done talking about anything. Hey, patrons, or people who are prospectively becoming patrons of our show, you can check out the uh, Gerald Bakes Caleb Watch Fifty Shades Darker episode uh, that I posted uh, like a couple days ago. And the uh, Fifty Shades Free is coming soon. Uh, Caleb, I have a question for you because I haven't finished editing the Fifty Shades Free because Gerald sent me both audio tracks this time. Uh, are you guys taking, are you taking a break in between or are you just going straight into Lord of the Rings? Straight into Lord of the Rings. We're doing uh, a primer episode where I tell him all about the works of Tolkien. Uh, and then... After that, we will spend three weeks watching the movies and talking right. about them. I only asked because Ashley asked because she wants to know when we're getting into the movies. So I figured I have to ask, uh, so that way we can plan our lives. Okay. So yeah, uh, if you're interested in in that or any other bonus content, such as uh, a review of the Halloween series, a review of the Harry Potter series, a review of the Fast and Furious series, and a review of the Star Wars series, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Swill and uh, support us at any level to get access to those episodes. Uh, they're good. They're very funny. I I really enjoyed uh, tearing these movies apart with Gerald. All right, then. All right, now it's time for What's Your Swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! Uh, I am drinking a New Belgium fat tire. Ooh, okay. Yeah. That's like one of the like I don't want I guess it I guess it's craft considering it's not like amongst the titans of the the swill water industry. Mhm. Uh so yeah, I guess fat tire is kind of craft uh, kind of craft but kind of not. So I'm I'm glad you can drink uh, you know something with actual taste. Yeah, you will taste the IBUs. It has it. <laughs> I haven't thought about Dr. Tran in quite a bit. It's been a hot minute. You will see my big hair. I have it. I love you. Limit five pumps per customer. So for Valentine's Day, uh, you went to a hibachi, uh, which, you know, I'm all for Mm -hmm. good hibachi. Uh, However, I stayed at home and cooked food, uh, which was asobuco and uh, saffron saffron parmesan risotto. Uh, It was was very good. I've never had asobuco. What's the origin of that? Oh, it's veal shanks. Oh, which is, okay. Which is why you've never had it. Okay, that explains a lot. Uh, how do you feel about 
murdering a an adolescent cow. It's whatever. <laughs> it was already murdered by the time I bought the bought the veal shanks. I I actually had to get them like special for like. So you're not doing the murder. You're just supporting the industry that murders. I think the last time I had veal was when I was younger than ten. And I'm not even kidding about that. I can't like like I, I I vividly remember a trip we took to Philadelphia, and I got like the adult portion of like a pasta plate because I could just eat food and then like burn off all the calories because that's how my body used to work, uh, and now I can't do that. But I got a veal parmesan adult portion and I had leftovers for the first time in like forever, and that's the last time I remember eating veal. So uh, it's been. Quite a long time since I've had veal, uh, but I had to specifically get these veal shanks uh, at the specialty butcher across the street from my work. Worked on that all day uh, and paired that with a nice ca- uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, which was whatever. Nice. Uh, uh, it was a 2015. I can't describe wine taste to you because I'm a fucking heathen. Uh, but then... I had uh, lemon left over because I made a gremolata with uh, parsley, garlic, and, and lemon zest. And I was like, oh, I have a whole lemon here that is just going to go to waste if I don't juice it. So I juiced it, poured it in with some of my Tanqueray Rank Pour and uh, tonic water, and made a like a, a sort of Sprite gin and tonic? Kinda? Sort of? A life, a life full of lemony lemons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it tastes just like a fucking gin and tonic. Like, uh, with like a hint of lemon. That's that's really what it is. So uh I, I guess I didn't do too good. <laughs> I tell that whole story big to tell oof. you guys about the uh the big oof of Sprite gin and tonic. Alright. Uh let's get right into some news then. Oh shit, it's mail time. First up, uh there is a My Little Pony movie. It exists. And I'm assuming, due to COVID, it is skipping its theatrical release and going straight to Netflix. So, Dan, we're going to review it. I mean, of course. I hope it comes out in April because that solves one of our scheduling issues. (laughs) I'm looking. Uh, Scheduled to open in theaters on September 24th. So, likely not an April release. Whatever. I mean, somewhere somewhere in, in the country, Sean Kibler goes, good. And then, Nay. And then moves on with his life. I don't know. Uh, this is another Paramount Netflix joint, uh, I guess, technically. Uh, Paramount, uh, whenever they need something to go to a streaming service, they don't put it on Paramount Plus or CBS All Access. They go to Netflix because there's actually a customer base there. Yeah. And our uh, our next story, and this comes directly from Netflix themselves. The producers behind Icarus, What Happened, Miss Simone, and The Innocence Files are teaming up for a documentary series that will examine the digital communities and financial forces that fueled the GameStop market frenzy and its cultural ramifications. You know, oh, this is me, by the way. Uh, you know, the cultural ramifications to an event that happened two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. So we're getting a GameStop docu-series. I guess that's the simplest way to put it. Caleb, what do you think? <laughs> K. Are there going to be cultural ramifications to this? Like, does anybody actually care? 
Or was everyone just like, oh, look, a meme, and then just jumped in on it? I don't know. Um, It is significant. I mean, if nothing else, like, Wall Street's probably going to be a lot more leery about shit, because they know that, like, regular people know how to play the game, so. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If anything, lobbying is going to change for how the stock market is is supposedly handled by, I guess, recreational traders is the best way to put it. Like the the regular Joe Blow who, you know, downloads Robinhood or E Trade or something like that and uh, invests like a couple hundred dollars a month or something like that into a stock that they like. They just like the stock, Dan. It's not a bad stock. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, when I saw it, it was like four dollars. Like, like I look back in time, it was like four dollars. I'm like, that's not right. Like GameStop should not be a four dollar stock. I know nothing about the stock market. And I just went, nope, that is incorrect. Uh, as for where I think it settles, somewhere between forty and sixty dollars, which is exactly where it's at right now. It's at like fifty one ninety seven or something like that. I only know because I got in at GameStop at uh, one twenty eight you know, on the decline. And uh, now I feel the Oof. fucking pain. Yeah. Oof. I, yeah, I, I, I got hit hard by FOMO. Uh, 52.90, you know, or or less than half my initial investment. Well, keep holding. I believe in you. Diamond hands. Uh, No, it's not diamond hands. It's like desperation hands. Like, please go back up. Yeah. Diamond hands to the moon. Take it from me. Don't listen to me for stock advice. See, the the hedge fund did a stupid thing anyway. Like, even if... Even if this hadn't happened, like... GameStop was bound to go up, not down. Mm-hmm. Because, like, they're... Yes, they're closing a lot of their retail locations. And, like, people who don't understand the internet think that that's bad. But they're shifting to an online business model. They're going to have fewer employees, less overhead, and be able to direct fulfill stuff to customers through it's like basically the same same kind of business model Amazon uses, and they're not hurting for money. Uh, I will never forget, there was a, a plaza, like a shopping plaza in Harrisonburg, Virginia, where Ashley and I would go for um, for like bubby time, like every month. And there was a GameStop inside the plaza. But as you were driving back from the plaza to the hotel, there was another fucking GameStop. And it's like, no, there should be like one every 20 miles or so. You don't need that many GameStops. I think that was their big problem is that they overexpanded and didn't think about where they were putting things. They assumed they could be Starbucks when that's not how that's not how that business works. Well, a lot of. A lot of businesses found that out in recent years. Um, the company I work for, they used to have stores basically at like every highway exit. Uh, and then, you know, my my industry is building materials. And then uh, the housing bubble burst in 2008. And they're like, well, we have to close half of our stores. Which sounds bad, but then you look at it and you're like, oh, yeah, there's no reason yeah, for you to have a store every we're turning five more miles. profit now than we did before that when the housing market was booming. Yeah. So, like, I think GameStop will exist in some form or fashion. Is it a $40 stock? I don't know. 
but it's definitely not a $4 stock or what it was. And, you know, it being 147% shorted, that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And the hedge funds deserve to get fucked for that. You know, it's uh, true. No matter what, like I, I could afford to lose what I lost on GameStop because I was already in a decent enough position. Like I, I, I treat the stock market like gambling. I take only what I can afford to lose. So if you do that, right, you can fuck a hedge fund just off of you. Like, like if there's many more people like you, which there are, you can fuck a hedge fam- a fund like that. And I'm fine with that. You know, I'll lose a couple hundred dollars and a hedge fund will lose like several billion. And that makes me feel yep. good. Yeah. The stock market is gambling. Like it's, it's a giant casino and anybody who tells you different is probably trying to sell you some junk stocks. <laughs> I know. I, I invested quite a bit in Sundial and uh, didn't get out while I had some profit. Like a big profit too. I'm talking like 60%. And now I'm at like negative 20% because I'm a fucking moron. Yeah. The moral of the story is buy Ideonomics. Hold on, looking that up. I have $114 of buying power right now that I can use. Oh, IDEX. Okay. Yep. $474. All right. I'm watching this stock. All right. uh, Let's move on to downstream where we can talk about some uh, other pirating stuff in in trailers and such things. Baby, I can't control the internet. And as you so subtly alluded to, our first trailer is for The Lost Pirate Kingdom, a badass-looking pirate docudrama. The real-life pirates of the Caribbean violently plunder the world's riches and form a surprisingly egalitarian republic in this documentary series. Uh, so this is a documentary of people like explaining the history, but also reenactments that look really good and are well-produced. Uh, I'm here for it. Dan, let's watch this, please. Okay. The reenactments look okay. I'm not going to say they're, like, great, but they look okay. Well, there is a guy who comes out and goes, looks directly at the camera and goes, Arr, I'm Blackbeard. So, I played Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which is their their pirate game. Uh, And Mm -hmm. there is a sequence that looks exactly like that. In, in in the in the game, it's like two thirds of the way through the through the story, uh, but they they talk about like Nassau, like how they want to turn Nassau into like the capital city of the pirate empire, basically, and that's kind of something they touch on here. So uh, I'm not going to say if you just want to watch this play Assassin's Creed Black Flag, but also Assassin's Creed Black Flag is a really good game with some really good sea shanties. <laughs> sea shanty bro uh the next trailer is for a series called the misadventures of hetty and coke man in paris coke man and hetty are two dysfunctional dealers who use family ties to try to boost their small drug business it is a french stoner comedy okay yeah i didn't read the the synopsis but i was like is this a comedy because it feels like it's a like an over-the-top kind of comedy mm-hmm uh, I've seen some stoner comedies, and this doesn't look like one. This looks like a heroin comedy. <laughs> also, one of the main characters looks exactly like Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, 
legendary left winger for the Washington Capitals. Uh, so it kind of threw me for a minute. Remember when you tried to play Alexander Ovechkin in D&D and mm -hmm. your sword was named after the kind of hockey stick he used? Yes. Yeah. Uh, if anyone isn't aware, <laughs> I'm a fucking nerd when it comes to hockey. I fucking love hockey so much. I have been kind of like, I guess, soft pushing the fact that I want that I want Netflix to acquire the NHL streaming like television rights for like national broadcasts in order to make their own hockey product. So that way I can turn this podcast slowly into a hockey podcast. It hasn't worked. The last time I pushed something like this, someone went, but Netflix isn't interested in live sports. And then I immediately blocked that person. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, next is a trailer for a movie. Yes. Day starring Jennifer Garner. For 24 hours, kids make the rules, always feeling like they have to say no to their kids and co-workers. Allison and Carlos decide to give their three kids a yes day, where for 24 hours, the kids make the rules. Little did they know that they'd be going on a whirlwind adventure around Los Angeles that would bring the family closer to each other than ever before. Yep. That's that's the trailer. <laughs> I thought you died for a minute. No, no, no. I was just very silent because, like, I don't know what to say. Like, it, it's like a family. Do you like feel good family comedies? Yeah, it's like a family comedy with the the guy who played Gianni Versace and was also in the worst movie of 2020, The Last Days of American Crime. That's the dad. All right. Why don't you tell us about the next one, Dan? Uh, all right. Our next trailer is for. Marriage or Mortgage, a reality television show coming to Netflix because fuck you. Married or single, we heard it all. You could buy a house for the price of that wedding. But have you ever stopped to think, what if you actually did? A wedding planner and a real estate agent compete to win the hearts and budgets of spouses-to-be. Will they pick fairy tale nuptials or a dream home? The answer is a dream home, almost always. Yeah. Because that will give you a return on your investment that will pay for your divorce proceedings. Hundy P. Because everybody who's on this show, I assume, is uh, a privileged dickhead who will never be satisfied with anything. I I looked at this show and I just went, but why, though? Like, like why is this ever a choice? Like, when th there was one dude who's like, I want a dream wedding. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? What mental illness do you have that has been undiagnosed for this long? You know how much my wedding cost? Hold on. I, I want to make an actual guess. I'm going to say 7000 About 3000 That's pretty Okay, that's pretty good. I'm proud of you. I, you know what? I am legitimately proud of you for that. Considering the fact <laughs> that you had to rent out like an entire campground and then house what? seven different couples in like five different yeah. like cabins yeah I, I mean all expenses because like our families chipped in of course but like it it probably full budget was probably more like five or six but all right so i wasn't too far off yeah but even still that's fucking yeah crazy and our wedding was great yeah like i don't i don't want to brag or anything but it was probably the best wedding i've been to 
I don't know. There, Except there's... for Nick not letting anybody sit. I was just about to say, I don't know. I've been to weddings where the where the guy leading the ceremony lets people sit. Fucking we love you, idiot, Nick. Man. You're a fucking moron, though. Uh, I can tell you right now, Ashley's night will be cheaper because it will literally be uh, us going to a courthouse. And then whenever COVID times are over, me hiring two food trucks to come and serve people food while we hang out at my house. <laughs> All right. Uh, our last trailer this week is for uh, something called Waffles and Mochi. Waffles and Mochi embark on a global food expedition in order to become chefs. With the help of Mrs. Obama, Waffles and Mochi travel the world learning all they can about different foods and cultures. Uh, this is a kid's puppet show about... Uh, what the fuck was that? Um... Was it No Reservations where he Anthony Bourdain trying different? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that for kids with puppets. Uh, also, Waffles is a little like Muppet style puppet that has waffles for ears. Also, it's a waffle chest, and then Mochi That's his is little Care Bear power. He can shoot the beam <laughs> out of it. The Care Bear Star! That's a back on Netflix. That's something I should have watched. They wouldn't this week. get mad. They'd get determined. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> that is that is a legitimately great special. Dave, Dave Chappelle's first special back on Netflix. Everyone should watch it. Yeah. That was before he got COVID from Grimes. <sighs> right? Uh Caleb, what do, what do you think about Waffles and Mochi? Do you want to watch this show? I mean, sure. I don't mean as a topic, just mean in general. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm not the core demographic for it, but I don't know. I knew uh, that the Obama family was working on some stuff for Netflix. I didn't know this would be... I didn't know this would be the direction they took it, I guess. Yeah. Because they've done... Like, they did Crip Camp last year, which was a documentary. So, like, I never, like, I guess this is kind of still documentary-ish, but also takes, like, a a fictional slant on it in terms of, like, you know, it's a Muppet and a, a ball of mochi that speaks. And they want to mm-hmm. be chefs. So. Yeah. So, I don't know. I've I've always thought that, you know, Michelle Obama was a a decent public speaker, so we'll see if she has screen presence. She definitely seems to. Oh my god. Can we please can we please make a spy thriller starring Barack and Michelle Obama for Netflix? Oh my god. That would actually be good. Like <laughs> that would actually be good. Like the premise and Obamas, if you steal this from us, you have to credit us. Copyright, 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 TM, TM, TM. Soon TM. Uh so the the premise the premise is basically like that Obama as a um like the Obamas as like public figures uh, go to different countries to do speaking role engagements, but then engage like also have like their their secret agent espionage kind of thing yeah. in the background of that. And the the evil guy that they have to take down is obviously going to be a Trump type. Uh, and a, a plot point is that they uh, find his original birth certificate, which proves that he's Russian. 
<laughs> I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them at this point. But uh, in reality, what I'm describing is just True Lies two. So just make True Lies two with the Obamas. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, a future Netflix hit, let's get into quick hits. Dan, what did you watch? So, I don't know why. It just popped up one day uh, on Netflix. And by one day, I mean like yesterday as a recording. And I was like, oh, I've never watched this. Let's check it out. I watched the Blair Witch Project. You know, the... I I don't want to call it the originator of the found footage genre. But like, it is probably the... Aside from Cloverfield, the most prominent found footage movie of our time. It's okay, I guess. Like, it's fine. The The main actress, Heather Donahue, plays basically, like, this hoity-toity documentary filmmaker who thinks, like, everything she's doing is the most important thing. And that's basically why, like, the movie continues shooting. Like, that's why there's still a, a found footage aspect to the movie, is that she's like, oh, I have to get this on camera for the documentary that's going to happen. Uh, but she was also voted, uh, at, like, nominated for Worst Actress at the Rassies for that year. Which, like, after hearing her performance, makes total sense. Like, her vocal acting is fucking horrendous. Everyone else, like, is kind of fine. Uh, it still takes after that, like, found footage kind of style. There's no one really running during it. Like, there's at, so there's at least that. Like, Cloverfield took that up to, like, oh, hey, we have this one guy who's holding a camera and he's just running the whole time. Uh, in this, it's like, oh, they actually just walk the whole time, as opposed to, like, you know, the shaky cam garbage. Like, there's still a bit of shaky cam, but whatever. Uh, I didn't find it super creepy. I just went, oh. Like, I can see how people kind of thought this was real back in the day, considering, like, this wasn't a real genre. These were people you didn't know. Yeah, like, this was the first really, like, notable found footage movie. Like, the... No one knows who Heather Donahue like, is. Like it, it was marketed and presented as though it was a hundred percent real. So yeah. So like I, I, I kind of tried to put myself in that, and I, I bought in. I was like, okay, like the the general terror is the fact that they're lost in the woods, but then the extra terror is the fact that they're potentially being stalked by some people. We don't know for sure. Uh, and quite honestly, I don't. I don't understand the ending of the movie because, like, there's just a dude standing in the corner. She's like, oh, fuck, this is weird. And then she gets, like, got. And then the camera falls and the movie just ends. I'm like, what? Like, what happened? Like, I don't understand. So, like, <laughs> it's fine. It's a fine movie. I, I just wanted to say I, I crossed it off and I, I, I've seen it. So there it is. The Blair Witch Project. Whatever. You don't have to watch it if you haven't watched it. Like. I'm trying to think of, like, an actual good found footage movie. I guess Paranormal Activity, the first one. Because at least that made sense for how they were shooting it and why it kept going the entire time. I guess. Yeah. Uh, what did you watch? Uh, I watched Beverly Hills Ninja from 1997 starring Chris Farley. Uh, this is the full IMDb description. 
A man tries to rescue a woman with a little help from his half-brother. That's like a thousand movies. Yeah, that's also a terrible description that doesn't tell you anything about this. So, Chris Farley plays Haru, uh, who was shipwrecked and washed ashore in Japan and raised by a clan of ninjas. Uh, But because he's white and chubby, he's very bad at it. So it's it's about him prat falling around with weapons. Well, that's kind of his thing. Is like he, like I think he is very funny in general. But mm-hmm. a lot of what he does is the physical comedy. Yeah, falling through tables and stuff. Yeah. Here's you. Here's Matt. There's you. There's. Oh, whoops! A daisy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This isn't like one of the like super noteworthy Chris Farley things, but I remember seeing it in movie theaters uh, as a young lad. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's funny. It's, it feels bad given his ultimate fate and that it's just like another movie that's making fun of him for being overweight. But basically like a, a woman comes to the, to the dojo because she's looking for a ninja, because that's just a thing that happens in this universe. Sure, sure. And, like, all the other ninjas are out on a secret mission, uh, and he, Chris Farley, wasn't good enough to be made a full ninja, so he's just there um, keeping an eye on things when she comes in. So he decides to take the job to help this woman out, because she thinks that her husband is up to some bad stuff or boyfriend or so it doesn't really say it probably does i didn't care enough to remember <laughs> it turns out he's a murderer and a counterfeiter and like a like the kingpin of a crime syndicate so he follows her to uh the hills of beverly to protect her and take out the bad guy uh and secretly his brother gobey uh, goes along, who is played by Robin Shu, who you might know from the fucking Mortal Kombat movies. Okay, real quick. Any relation to Elizabeth Shu? No. Okay, never mind. Uh, okay, continue. Yeah, he's he's an Asian man, an actual Asian male. Oh. He loves Doctor uh, Tran. Uh, <laughs> and it's also and it's also spelled different. Uh, I was about to do. I'm an Asian male. I love Dr. Tran. Ah, <laughs> oh, God. Why was that fucking obscure YouTube video so good? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a series of pratfalls and blunders, and then in the end, he's suddenly an amazingly competent fighter and uh, fucking kills everybody. So, typical hero arc. Uh, Chris Rock is also in it. He's wants to become a ninja. Because he's scared of bullies. Uh, so Chris Farley's teaching him the way of the ninja. Uh, and the movie ends with uh, Chris Farley. Because uh, there was the legend of the great white ninja that he, Chris Farley was trying to fulfill. So the movie mm-hmm. ends with Chris Rock uh, claiming to be the legendary great black ninja. It's fine. Uh-huh. It's a fine movie. It's a comedy. You know. Okay, well, you say all that, but I have more of an issue of uh, the other thing you watched. 
Yeah, the other thing I watched is Little Nicky from the year 2000, starring Adam Chandler. I am doing a goofy voice, and I, I have the hair of Christopher Mintz Plus. Uh, yeah, he looks like a, like the front man of a screamo band in this movie. He, so if he looks like Corey, let's be honest. Ah, uh, that's true. <laughs> so if you've somehow not ever heard of this, uh, Little Nicky is uh, about him being the son of the devil. Uh, after two of the devil's three sons escape hell to wreak havoc on Earth, the devil must send his third son, the mild-mannered Nicky, to bring them back before it's too late. So, Nicky is not a successful demon. Uh, he's... He's nice. And, like, that that gets him in a lot of trouble down in the old hell. Uh, and, like, he contorts his face through the whole movie because... His older brother hit him in the face with a shovel. Oh, this movie's kind of funny, I guess. I don't know. There's some good bits. Like, his guide when he comes to Earth, because he's never been there before, is uh, an English bulldog who talks. I like Harvey Keitel is uh, the devil. Like, he's he's the, uh, he's Nikki's dad. And then Rodney Dangerfield is in it as uh, Nikki's grandfather, the original Lucifer, uh, who just, you know, kind of hams it up. And he's Wait, just like, what? he's in like his uh, fucking silk robe and smoking jacket and shit. Wait, and, uh, what? You don't remember this? I've never seen this movie. Oh, you've never seen it. Okay. No. Uh, you should watch it. Yeah, Rodney Dangerfield's in it. He's he's the original devil. And then his son, Harvey Keitel, is the current devil. Uh, and then that devil has three sons, two of which are the bad guys, and one is Adam Sandler. Uh, this also is another movie where um, Adam Sandler falls in love with uh, a VV-named woman, because the, the love interest is named Valerie Varen. Played by Patricia Arquette. Interesting. I don't know. It also has like a lot of the the Happy Madison people in it, like Peter Dante's in it, and uh, yeah. The other can we guy. agree? Can we agree right now that the best Happy Madison movie is Grandma's Boy? <clears throat> it is. It's very very good. Okay. Uh, just making sure that as a Netflix and Spool consensus, Grandma's Boy is the best Netflix, or the, the best Happy Madison. Thank you for agreeing with me. Uh, I don't know. As as Adam Sandler movies go, I the this one's memorable, but it's kind of middle of the road. Like it was kind of yeah, uh, <laughs> like during his decline before he completely dropped off. So yeah. Yeah, mid nineties, Adam Sandler was king, and then like the here to like two thousand five ish is when it's like, eh, these are okay, and then like from then on, it's just like garbage. I feel like the Water Boy was his last good movie. Like that movie's not incredible, but it's good. Sure. Uh, and then Little Nicky was you know decent. Uh, and then he took a swan dive off a cliff. <laughs> Yes. 
I don't know. I like the aesthetic of hell. There's uh like the guy who's supposed to guard the gates of hell. Heimdall. Yeah. Uh like Nikki's two older brothers who escape and get out the gate, like uh the devil decides to punish him for like sucking at his job. Uh so he makes a, a pair of boobs appear on his head. So then it's a joke for the rest of the movie that he's wearing a bra on his head and like people keep grabbing his tits that are on his head. And uh Rodney Dangerfield's like, I'm gonna go to my room. Tit head, come with me. <laughs> it's funny, it's very funny. Jokes about boobs. It's all improvised, it's very funny. <laughs> Uh, and that's it. That's my right. review of the movie that I watched. Nah, I understand. I'll, I'll admit, like, there's a point where it's like, with, with Adam Sandler movies, it's like, do I, do I want to watch this? Do I really want to potentially suffer through through this portion of my life? I don't know. And then I just kind of ignore them. Okay. Uh, well, why don't we cut into a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about our main review for the week. Red Dot. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, The Nerd Revert, and Dan's Mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, we are joined again. By one of our favorites, Mr. Matty, from the movie Marathoners. Matty, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me again, guys. It's been a little too long. It has. Welcome back. Well, when was the last time? Uh, Project Power, I think, right? So yeah, that sounds about right. We stopped doing. Yeah, that sounds right. We stopped doing guests for like the third and fourth, like in the fourth quarter. I don't know why. Mm. We just did. So yeah, that's about. You guys right. were too good for guests. I get it. That's true. Just. Leaving us well, all behind. It's fine. I don't know. Who's another returning guest that we can do to to make the trifecta? Let's have Nick on next week. <laughs> can, we, can we not? Nick doesn't like movies anymore. <laughs> Nick never liked movies. Well, that's that's true. Uh, Maddie, we will get all of your relevant information uh, as to where we can find your show and your podcast. And those are the same thing uh, at the end. But we are here to talk about the new... Swedish language thriller movie on Netflix, Red Dot. Red Dot is a drama horror thriller film. It is 86 minutes long and is a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb. When Nadia becomes pregnant, they make an attempt to rekindle their relationship by traveling to the north of Sweden for a hiking trip, but soon their romantic trip turns into a nightmare. Uh, So the... Description on IMDb just nebulously says they instead of naming the the other character that she's with. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is starring and directed by and written by Swedish people that I won't attempt to pronounce the names of. 
they're all named Magnus. <laughs> uh, Maddie, what did you think of Red Dot? So, uh, it's a really relentless and very brutal film. I think it kind of falls into one of those types of films that has a mold of being about revenge and getting even and whether violence can truly bring happiness. Yeah. And, and it feels sort of like somebody watched something like The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, right? And thought, yeah, I can come up with something darker and bleaker than that. And I think I, I'm not totally sure. I, I'll be honest. I haven't seen a lot of Swedish films. And by I haven't seen a lot of f- Swedish films. I mean, I've seen one Swedish film. And but I do think that is it Red Dot? Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I do think that like the twisted and brutal revenge films are kind of like Sweden's thing, right? I, I'm basing that off of things like the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So mm-hmm. this feels right in line with that style of film. And I think they can have a lot of merit. They can be a lot of fun. And there's parts of this film that are fun and done pretty well. But the end of the film, after the characters have been brutalized for like 90 minutes or whatever, I kind of was just sitting there like, okay, but why? <laughs> it's, it's what very did I learn? Bleak. What did we learn? You know? Sure. Nothing. Sometimes shit just happens. Uh, Dan, uh, tell me about how Ashley wouldn't watch the rest of the movie with you <laughs> after the one part. Uh yeah, there's there's that part what about like thirty five forty minutes in where uh does yeah, the like die right at the beginning of the second act yeah uh, does the dog die dot com comes up and uh, of course it does so Ashley immediately went all right uh, actually she she did sit around for the rest of it and just kind of tune the rest out uh so it, it didn't really matter to her what happened she was just like I'm not rating this like fuck this movie for doing what it did uh, mm-hmm. which you can all infer. Uh, as for my thoughts, uh, a good ending does not a movie make. I really don't like the first two thirds of this movie uh, until the big the big events happen at the end that tie everything together. Uh, I went. I don't like these characters. Uh, I I I don't feel like they're good people in general. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, they they hit like yeah they hit that car at the beginning and they scratch it up and they don't say anything which. Uh, I did one time as a kid, but I won't get into this. Uh, and they don't tell the owner about it. So I'm like, well, okay, so they're kind of shitheads. And then, you know, they, they turn around and are victims of racism. So you're like, oh, I kind of feel bad for them. But they're also just kind of assholes. Like, I don't feel like there's any point where the script goes, oh, these are good people. Let's remind you of that. It just is like, hey, these are people. They have lives. And they're kind of assholes. And they're kind of... uh victimized of racism a little bit and then it just goes from there yeah uh for my part like i think that this probably did need a bit more of a like it kind of needs the script to be doctored a little bit like i i wanted this to be more of like uh, a chase movie um where like it kind of there's some twists and turns it really ends up being more of a revenge movie uh, and it's very nihilistic in its worldview, and uh, nobody really wins in the end. Um, but, I mean, for for what it's worth, like, once we got through some of the chaff, like, there is a, a pretty tight, like, thriller film mm-hmm. hidden in here. It's, it's weird for me to insinuate that an 86-minute movie is uh, too long and needs to be cut down, but, yeah. like... 
it kind of <laughs> like this would have worked as like a 45 minute short film honestly yeah i kind of agree with that but yeah there's there's like no likable characters to attach yourself to everybody's just kind of a a, a real little shit yeah the one likable character is the dog and mm-hmm. dan i thought it was funny that you mentioned that ashley said what she said because my girlfriend dana also did the same thing like as soon as the dog came up she googled red dot does the dog die and at the time of watching the movie it did not have a page of it oh Um, i should have warned you because we like i saw this three weeks ago okay or so so like i what i should have done was told everybody hey yes the dog is in uh critical danger yeah yeah that's that's one way to put it that's for sure so um you know, after that, she was not really enjoying the rest of the movie, but she did also sit there and, and put up with it. So I appreciate her for that. But, yeah. um, you know, I that that's also sort of just the tip of the iceberg. It, they they come up with a lot of really just brutal stuff to watch. And um, some of it, I think, is, is interesting, um, like the red dot sequence in the film. Yeah. Like where the title comes from. I think that mm-hmm. part of the the kickoff of the torment is really cool. And just this idea of having a red dot, like a sniper rifle dot on you and not knowing what that means is a type of psychological torment that seems really cool. And I wish they played with that more instead of just sort of devolving into more just, well, let's make them hurt each other or freeze or, you know. Yeah. It needed more red dot. That's yeah. the title of the movie. That's what I, the trailer sold me on. That's what I came for. Right. Yeah. So this is a Valentine's Day movie, technically. This got released on the <laughs> uh, the 11th of February. And I'm, I'm sure plenty of people watched an, enough of this this weekend in order to be like, ah, yes, this couple's movie where uh, they get chased around uh, some mountains for 90 minutes and their relationship is on the rocks because they're like... He's a petulant child, uh, as is, as per usual, and uh, she works too hard. So, like, nothing says I love you like watching this movie and then having a dog die in the in the middle of it. Uh, to, and to kick that all off, uh, we have a proposal scene in the bathroom. So, guys, I have to ask you, where is the worst place you could possibly propose to your girlfriend or wife? Hmm. I don't know, man. A, a bathroom is pretty bad, but... I think it's funny that they say that it's the grossest bathroom in Sweden because it's actually a pretty okay looking bathroom by US standards. And yeah. I thought that checked out pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> that the worst bathroom in Sweden is probably like a good American bathroom. I think that the worst place to propose marriage would be at a guar concert while you're being sprayed <laughs> with fake alien semen. See, no, that's <laughs> incorrect. That is the best place. Yeah, that does sound pretty rad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any, anybody who who says no during that is obviously somebody you don't want to hang out. They're with. not the one. Yeah. yeah, I can't think of the worst place. A bathroom's got to be up there, but I don't know. Like on the side of the road might be pretty. A bathroom too. while you're holding her hair back while she throws up. Yeah, baby, I love you. I love the smell of your vomit. I just want to be around this forever. <laughs> Is it weird that I'm into this? <laughs> <laughs> my, I, so I think my least favorite part uh, in, in terms of uh, real life to video games was when he's like, hey, it's like Battlefield. It oh takes time for his gun to reload. And I'm like, I yeah. mean, 
Sure, but that's also like real life, where it takes guns a while to reload. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty brutal. I'm not sure what the gun laws are in Sweden. Like, I know that, um, you know, guns are pretty, pretty widely spread throughout Sweden. Like, they have a, I, I believe they actually have a policy where, like, they issue all men a, a rifle, like the government does, just. Say, like, hey, in case of, like, foreign invasion, here's a gun. I think Sweden's one of those mandatory military service countries. Yes, I believe so. Um, listeners in Sweden, please uh, correct us on this, I guess. But um, I think it is, like, basically a hunting right, like a single-shot hunting rifle that you have to manually reload, so... I mean, sure, but that doesn't take 10 seconds in order for... Like, if that takes you, a, a, a seemingly avid hunter, yeah. 10 seconds to reload a gun, you are you shouldn't be hunting. Go do something else. Go play Battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> what gun in Battlefield is, like, manually... That's like the fucking golden gun from the fucking James Bond game. It's also just such bad writing to have a character be like, this. Is, I learned this from a video game. It's just one of those callbacks that i learned this from fortnite them. and then he starts flossing yeah <laughs> he starts come on man he suddenly erects a shed and it's like wait what it's okay <laughs> we just gotta build some ramps and then fire the rocket and hop on top of it and ride it across the map oh man and then there's that sequence where like uh he falls through the ice and it's like but this man should have hypothermia yeah also there's that in that part he like f- drowns basically and then for some reason decides that he has the strength to get back out again just randomly it seems like there was no reason for him to sink and then not sink the movie needed him to suffer more right he's already been bear trapped shot he was fine yeah and now he's been drowned and frozen so i mean like they are they are swedish i assume that they like bathe their children outdoors in ice water and stuff to condition (laughs) them I guess we'll go kind of along with the plot. They're going on this uh, cross-country ski slash hiking trip because uh, their relationship sucks and she's pregnant and they're trying to fix things. So they, they decide to get away for the weekend. Uh, they meet a couple of uh, yokels at a gas station and uh, kind of make quick enemies of them because um, fucking... Penis Lord is a dickhead to them. <laughs> yes. Um. Then, like, they drive by where these people live, I guess, and she takes a fucking screwdriver and gouges the side of their truck, and they speed away as the guys are like, what the fuck? Uh, and then they're camping out, and this red laser dot appears on their tent. Uh, so, like, you you assume that it's those guys... Which, of course, in this kind of movie means that it's not. Right. Yeah, there's some big twists in this movie, but none of them are particularly unsurprising, I would say. Except for maybe one, just because it wasn't set up whatsoever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Y- you can see what the red herrings are pretty clearly in this movie. Well, right. They immediately yeah. go to racism and like, hey, these guys are chasing us because we fucked up their car and they're racists. And it's like, no... They'd be chasing you because they 
fucked like you fucked up their car and also they're not chasing you because they're not fucking sociopaths right like we 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 see the one and he like works for mountain rescue like that doesn't scream like somebody who would go on a revenge chase uh against somebody yeah. who scratched his fucking uh ford f teen billion the ford f teen thousand I mean, I guess if we're being generous, the film is trying to say something about perception and not making assumptions about the way that people look and stuff. But I think that's me looking for purpose behind this movie when there isn't one. I think it really just wants to be a yeah. B movie. That's kind I th- of I think you're giving sometimes. this movie too much credit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just want to reiterate, the dog does die. It's pretty horrifying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's not like a because like he dies gets, in an I am yeah it gets way. dragged around on a snowmobile and yeah. then beheaded and they put the head in the tent. Yeah. Other than that, though, I will say that um, you know the cinematography that's pretty up there in northern Sweden. It was like a pretty nice film to look at in that sense. But um, yeah, if you're queasy you, about you do dog get heads, to see the fire in the kitchen, which is actually just the northern lights. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you're going to watch this movie for the Northern Lights, just watch, like, Planet Earth. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's do spoilers. Thank Let me you. just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, imagine you're in a room. No, no, like... no, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning. Uh, yeah, yet. but the ending is awesome. So if I could Son just play of a bitch, the... this is what you always do. You always spoil stuff uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance okay, to see it. Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. Okay, so uh, they they do deserve it. Um, both of the main characters are uh, shitbags because they did a, a hit and run and killed a kid. and. Drove off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like why she's so broken up. Like he forces her to not tell the police about it. Uh, but like the kid ran out in the road and was hit by them because uh, he was chasing after a drone uh, with a camera on it. So like the dad saw his kid get killed and uh, them just drive off. Uh, and that's the big twist is that it's the. The dad coming after him to the get one other for character their, in this for movie. their murder that they did. Yeah, the one other character, which is why, like, yeah, if it's not the most obvious people, it's like the least obvious people, which is obviously going to be the um the neighbor who seemingly is super friendly. Yeah, I completely forgot he was a character though, so I was not suspecting him. He has a single scene, so I was like, I don't, I don't remember that at all. Right. So I thought that was where, like, the ending is sort of cool, I guess, but I think that if they wanted to make a, I mean, I guess they don't want to make it so obvious that it's him, but this movie is already kind of obvious anyway, so it's like, whatever. But, like, give this guy a little more in the beginning to do, because I didn't remember him at all when they showed that reveal. I was thinking it was the the lady that seemed to be racist from the kitchen, you know, Um, who was obviously in on it, I guess. Well, but. yeah. Well, she's the mother of the kid. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Which they don't do a great job of explaining that, and it took me a bit to completely understand that. Like, that was her who both was the lady who was the potential racist from the kitchen or from the bar, uh, and then also the mother. Like, I had to watch mm. it a second time on uh, 1.5 speed. That's what I did right before we got here. Uh, <laughs> 
to so thank you Netflix for adding that and uh don't hate me everybody who says I shouldn't do that. I watched it already. Uh so but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah like it's not super well explained who she is. It's just like, oh, there's this random woman here. Okay, why? And then it's not really explained why the other guy from the bar is helping them either. I guess it's assumed that he's they're paying him or something because he says something like he needs to help his family, right? Or is it a brother? It's the brother of the woman. Got it. Okay. It's like a real quick throwaway line that he says like, hey, my sister isn't showing up. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's that's who she is to you. Got it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about probably the coolest part of the movie. Uh, they are running away. They're freezing cold and they take refuge in this cabin that they find. And then it turns out that that belongs to the ski patrol guy uh, who comes in and, you know, they think that's the guy that's trying to kill him and stuff. And he's like, you know, what's what's going on here? Because he's like, you know, going to try to do his job and like help him because they're clearly distraught, right. I guess. <laughs> Um, and like, they're running away, like he has a rifle, uh, and then Nadia fucking, uh, whips out a flare gun that I guess she found in the cabin and fucking blasts him right in the chest with it. Yeah, uh, and pretty he's badass. just trying to not burn to death from the fucking red hot phosphorus or whatever. Yeah. That um, was fucking horrifying. Watching that it man was. burn to death. Uh, and then like. What, they just run into the woods, don't they? Like, they don't take his gun or his vehicle. I think they just run into the woods. Yeah, they just run. Which and is then, stupid. Well, yeah. But, like, I can I can pass it off because, like, she's getting over the shock of potentially having murdered somebody. He's so fucked Again. up. Right. Well, but, like, she he's so fucked up because of his injuries like we see like he freaks out in the middle of the forest being like oh my god everything oh kid in a yellow jacket it's like okay we're clearly setting up something with this kid in a yellow jacket so i i i write it off to that it's not good but like i can excuse it we're also glossing over the fact that there was a cgi bear in this movie yeah because they're like hiding in a cave when the ski patrol guy is looking for him yeah, I saw that one coming. I was like, that's definitely a bear hole. I don't know why they didn't just put like a Bluetooth speaker with like some bear noises back there. Probably would have <laughs> just been better. It's about the art, Dan. Yeah. I guess you're right. I guess. Yeah, jo- I mean, Jaws was most effective when you couldn't see the shark, you know? Yeah. It's like they, they put the bear up on a pedestal and they're like, here is the bear. Let's yell at it. And the bear doesn't do anything. It's true. All right. Uh, so the very end, which I think is the strongest part of the movie, which uh, should never be the case. <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know, Nadia runs off because she's like, oh, OK, I can escape. And uh, David's like, I think it's his name, David. Right. I don't remember. I don't I sure. care about that character. Uh, no one ever says his name because he's a garbage can human being. So, yeah. like, she, he's like, go, uh, I can't move, I'm going to die anyway. And she's like, okay, cool. And then runs off and then stumbles over uh, Redneck 2 that uh, David murdered with a rock. Uh, picks up his gun and is like, oh, I can I can do something here. Uh, sh- shows up, talks a lot, doesn't shoot anybody, and then gets shot in the fucking head. Yeah. <laughs> Good summary. Yeah, that it's, was it's surprising. Like, who the fuck fired that shot? 
It's also right after he says like the best line in the movie, I think, where he says, you should have turned around a long time ago. I thought that was a pretty cool line. Yeah. I was like that, you know, there's some cheesy writing here, but that was pretty awesome. Yeah. It's it's a real uh, tell that to Zod snapped neck sort of line. <laughs> Just beautiful poetry. Uh, and then so the mom the the mom shoots her in the head, and then David's like, "Oh, now I want to die." And then Tomas is like, "Oh wait, this is how I feel. Fuck this guy. Let's have him live like this too, yeah. so he understands yeah. me." The the worst suffering is having to live with it. Yeah. Which is um, and he's already he's already been kneecapped at this point. So oh my god, this man is so fucked up, and like it seems like he's going to be a fine. They're probably going to call an it. Like I guess like I would like I would have liked to see an ambulance show up so that I know he lives because it feels like they're just kind of leaving him there. You know, to die of exposure. Yeah, yeah. Like I I feel like I'd rather see him just get packed into an ambulance and that be like the end. Mm. And like the closing shot is like him getting packed in, like it lifting his head and then seeing them put the body back over Nadia. Maybe that's just me being like, eh, like we, but it's like two more minutes. It doesn't take much unless like they couldn't afford to get an ambulance, uh, in which case, okay, fine. Sweden, free healthcare. I guess that's true. You could just call them up and be like, oh yeah, yeah, this <laughs> is good. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh. Sounds Canadian. It's like whenever but, somebody who's not from the united states asks me what you know what happens when you're when you get sick and don't have health care i'm just like we die mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah sweden socialized health care good job swedish government <laughs> you care about your citizens it's true uh, i guess just like the the ending is cool but again i'll i'll stress that it, it was sort of just afterwards like uh, okay so you mm-hmm. know um and and I think a film like The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which I keep comparing this to because it's the only vaguely Swedish thing that I know, is that like you, all the violence in that seems purposeful and it seems like there's a reason for it and it feels like David Fincher is saying something. I don't really know if the director here is saying anything, but I mean, I guess yeah. if the whole point of this movie is to watch people be tormented in Sweden, then good job is, is what I got to say, <laughs> yeah, I guess, it's... you know? Like I said, it's it's very nihilistic, and it's just a, a movie about punishment, and there's no silver lining. Right. Okay. So with that, uh, it's time to give final grades and maybe a, a summary. So, Maddie, you first. What would you give Red Dot? I'm going to give this just a solid right down the middle 2.5 it's not a bad movie by any means um it's perfectly watchable especially because it is 84 minutes like if you're gonna be an average movie you damn well better be under 90 minutes Mm -hmm. so is it good i don't know but it's also entertaining it's kind of thrilling there are some pretty clever things that they do with the red dot and everything i just wish there was a little bit more of that so right down the line 2.5 Okay. Uh, I agree with you. This is a 2.5. Uh, while I think the ending is potentially excellent, uh, I feel like the first, what, 60 minutes doesn't really lend itself to deserve that ending. Like, I feel like that ending belongs on a different movie. Yeah, and I'm going to fall right in line with you guys. This is a 2.5. I really just feel like this needed some script work. 
All right. I'm glad we all agree what a what a fun circle jerk this was. <laughs> We're all so smart. I know, right? Uh, speaking of smart, Maddie, why don't you tell everyone where they can find your smart, smart, smart podcast? Well, that was very generous. I don't know if it's smart, but it is a podcast. Uh, you can check out Movie Marathoners. We're a uh, podcast that... Um, not just Netflix films. We do all sorts of films, TV, everything like that. Uh, you can check me out uh, just wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you're, you're listening to this. I'm definitely on that. Uh, and go ahead and f- give me a follow on Twitter at MovieMarapod. You can listen to me give Dan shit for his takes on the Super Bowl because we disagreed with like two or three things, including an amazing Oatly commercial, Dan. It's amazing. So, uh, yeah, only commercial is so fucking cringe. Get out of here. (laughs) Thanks for having me on, guys. No problem. Despite the fact that your Oatly takes are uh, hot trash. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, thanks for coming on. And with that, uh, it's time to cut into a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we will be talking about a dick pic review for Remember Me starring Robert Pattinson. Hello, listeners. I want to talk to you for one second real quick about the Golden Pea Movie Awards, referred to lovingly as the Golden Peas. Every year, I take the opportunity to celebrate the year in film, and 2020 is no different. Please head over to twopeasonapod.com slash goldenpeas and find all of the nominees as well as links to a ballot that you can use to vote. Voting is open from January 29th until March 1st of 2021. We feature all of the main categories that you will find at shows like the Golden Globes and the Oscars, but we poll the film and Twitter and podcast community to get those nominees. And as you know, they are chosen by you. So please cast a ballot, head over. Once again, it's 2peasonapod.com slash goldenpeas. We love movies and we love celebrating movies. And we hope you come to the party this year. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into a dick pic review for Remember Me. So we're just done with phrasing, right? Jesus, look at that black cock. Yeah, which uh, you found from the word fault. That is correct. Remember Me is a 2010 drama romance film. It is a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb. A romantic drama centered on two new lovers, Tyler, whose parents have split in the wake of his brother's suicide, and Allie, who lives each day to the fullest since witnessing her mother's murder. This is directed by Alan Coulter and uh, written by Will Fetters. Stars Robert Pattinson, Emily DeRavin, and Caitlin Rund. And uh, a bunch of other people. Uh, Fucking Guy Pierce. Yeah, Guy Pierce is in this joint. Pierce Brosnan. I wonder oh, no, if no, I'm sorry. I said Guy Pierce, but I meant Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just going all along with you. Okay, that's fine. What's her dad's name? I can never. Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper. Uh, uh, homophobic yeah. man from American Beauty. Yeah, and also the dad from uh, October Sky. He was Jake Gyllenhaal's dad. And I'm, I've never seen that. And movie. a coal miner. Uh, so what do you think? This is kind of a movie about learning to live with loss and, you know, having to keep pushing forward in your life and stuff. All right, well, I'm going to meme on this movie like everybody else has. Uh, remember when the fucking ending took place during 9-11? Yeah. 
You remember when, like, things were looking up, and then, uh, you fucking, like, he goes to his dad's office to wait, and, uh, looks out the window, uh, and then it goes to his sister's school, and the teacher wrote the date on the chalkboard, Tuesday, September 11th, 2001, and then it cuts back to Robert Pattinson, and he's looking out the window, uh, and the camera pans out, and he's on the 89th floor of the World Trade Center. Yeah. And Vanessa lost her fucking mind. Oh, man. See, so I knew about this movie. Like, I've heard about, like, the ending of this movie. Basically, like, Robert Pattinson is in the World Trade Center during 9-11. So, like, that is the main reason I wanted to watch this movie. Is to just see, like, alright, everyone knows it for this ending. But how is the actual movie itself? Uh, and to answer that question, meh. Like, this episode is very much, like, a meh movie plus, like, a crazy ending show. Where, like, the ending is the thing that is the most notable about the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Outside of the fact that it takes place, like, the ending takes place on 9-11. It's a very stock standard romance drama movie with a dude bro that I fucking hate called Aiden. Well, it's funny you bring that up because uh, Aiden in this movie looks almost exactly like my friend Eric. Yeah, kinda. So, uh, uh, go ahead. What did you think of... Because you you went in relatively cold to this. You really had no idea what happened in this movie. Uh, What did did you think? Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought it was pretty decent. I don't know. I liked, um, like, Pierce Brosnan's, like cold corporate dad who you know he's he's old timey and you know is kind of detached from his kids but he's the provider but robert pattinson doesn't think that's good enough uh and then kind of inspired by robert pattinson's actions uh he starts getting along better with his daughter uh on the morning of 9-11 mm-hmm. whenever Robert Pattinson is waiting in his office and dies in a terrorist attack. Um, man, what a f- <laughs> fucking movie. Oh my god. That's like the silver lining to this whole movie is that like, I guess the the way I, I read it online is basically like he detaches from his family because his other son, like his eldest son commits suicide. And so he's like, I can't get hurt if I'm not close to my family. But then he starts getting close to his family again, and then Robert Pattinson dies on 9-11. And he's like, okay, well, I have one kid left, so I better make the most of being with this one kid and being, like, an actual good father, as opposed to what I was doing, which was sinking myself into work in an attempt to not feel emotions. Chris Cooper, the girl's dad, is an unhinged psychopath. Uh, He hits her. uh, He breaks into... uh, Robert Pattinson's apartment and attempts to strangle him to death. Yep. Uh, and he never loses his job and he never uh, faces any legal action because he is a white police officer in the United States. This is all true, but like, I, I like, I focus too much on what his character was and not like knowing the ending of the, cause I knew the ending of the movie coming into this, but like, I never thought about what his character would have to do 
at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I never really thought about the fact that, you know, he's around the Twin Towers on 9-11. So he's, like, trying to direct everything and, like, what the the psychological yeah, toll is on him. Yeah, because he's an NYPD officer. Yeah, so I, ne- I never thought about, like, what it would do to him as a character. Now, of course, the movie doesn't explore into that, but, like, I... Th- I, I when when there's that scene where uh, Claire from Lost, uh, who which is how everyone will know the love interest in this movie, uh, comes home and she like hugs Chris Cooper and he's like covered in ash. Kinda, I I was like, oh shit, that's right, he's a New York police officer and he was there for well, 9-11. Like, there's the scene when it happens and like tastefully enough, like they don't show the plane hit the building, but like. It does show um, her and uh, the roommate go out to the roof of the building, uh, and there's just ash falling on them as they're both, like, you know, covering their mouths and crying and shit. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. That's, that's fucking, that's rough. I can't, I can't imagine losing somebody like that, like, in, uh a terrorist attack like that where it it just seems like they're collateral damage to a, a greater goal uh, you, you know you're you're living your life you're having a happy experience like everything seems like it's looking up and then all of a sudden uh some planes hit some towers and and kill three like i think what it was like 3000 people that day and then like countless others mm-hmm. due to asbestos yeah. uh, poisoning basically during uh the the late like since then yeah so i i I don't want to make the movie entirely about its ending because despite the fact that uh the ending is what it is there's still what like an hour and a half that isn't the the actual (laughs) that isn't the morning of 9-11 yeah uh so let's talk about that uh what so you think it's fine overall what did you think about like the build-up to the ending the the fact that it's nine eleven notwithstanding, like it's kind of bittersweet because like he, like Robert Pattinson goes to his dad's office and like the screensaver's up on his computer and it's all pictures of his kids and he's like, oh, he really does care and love us. Mm-hmm. Well, it's yeah, like cause... pictures of him and his sister and his dead brother and stuff. Well, yeah, because there's that scene like halfway through, but like roughly halfway through, where he goes to the dad's office and starts screaming out in the boardroom, like you don't give a fuck about us. Like you, you just want to bury yourself in your work so you don't have to feel, and you, like they almost come to blows, and the, the boy, it's super awkward because like the board, like everyone there is like, so uh, you know, we can go, like, at like any we time. can leave, and yeah. he's like, sit the fuck down, <laughs> and, and then it turns out it's a good thing they stayed because like otherwise they would have like fucking fist fought, and then Janine, like the only. Like I, I feel like there's only like two good characters in this movie, and both of them are women. Uh, that I, the that I at least feel sympathy for. One is Janine, and uh, well, actually, there's like four, and they're all women. Uh, there's Janine. There's Allie, who is the girlfriend. There's the mom, and then there's Carolyn, who uh, you know, gets her hair chopped off by some fucking psychopathic girls. Mm-hmm. Like that felt like the Oscar scene. For the movie, you know, like the the like if this was nominated for best picture, that would be the scene they showcase during the the montage of like, hey, here's why this was nominated. Like, here's acting, 
And it's Pierce Brosnan and Robert Pattinson, like, showing emotion, like, yelling at each other. And, like, I, I felt it. Like, I, I, I totally understood what they were doing there. But, like, leading up to that point, I didn't give a fuck. Because, like, I hate <laughs> all of the male characters in this movie, especially Aiden, the roommate. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the the whole reason... Robert Pattinson even gets in a relationship with Allie in the first place is because his friend is like, Hey, you should get revenge on that cop who arrested us for a hundred percent, a good reason. Because remember that time you physically assaulted a cop and he arrested you. Yeah. Let's get revenge on that guy. <laughs> I want to review this movie. I just don't know how. Cause the f- they fucking ended it, and it was nine eleven, <laughs> and that's so fucking wild to me. I like. I mentioned it in a private chat, but it's like the writer had no idea how to end the movie. And it's like ah fuck it, it's nine eleven, and 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 Robert Pattinson dies. Like, uh, it felt like everyone was turning a corner with their characters, and then nine eleven happens, and it's just like kind of like this cheap cop out to say like oh. You know, unexpected things happen and people change due to unexpected things. Like, I mean, the 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 cold open to the movie basically is uh Allie's mom getting shot in front of her face. Mhm. So like you know, because of her mom getting murdered in front of her, she you know, decides to do things a bit more different than everybody else. Like whenever her dad slaps her, she goes to the guy she just stayed at. A place to live there for X amount of months because that just seems like a good idea to her because you know she she feels like she has to live as the description said life to the fullest. Yeah, she uh, she eats her dessert first because an asteroid could hit her or you know an airplane. Uh, so that's the Robert Pattinson 9-11 movie. Part of me does feel like it's getting shortchanged because of that. Like, I feel like it, it it's just so tied into its, its, its ending. Like, if it was any other kind of event, I don't feel like it'd be as talked about as it was. And, like, I know a lot of critical reaction was like, hey, you're exploiting 9-11. And, like, because this movie came out in, what, 2010? Something like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, they were like, okay, why are you talking about 9-11 in a 2010 movie and not paying homage to, like, the people who died or anything like that? Like, I guess technically Robert Pattinson died, but, like, he's not a real character who died during the, or, like, a real person who died during 9-11. So, like, why are you, quote-unquote, exploiting that for the purposes yeah. of entertainment? I mean, it's not exploiting it as much as 2006's World Trade Center starring Nicolas Cage. Or United 93. Yeah. Like you said, I think it was tastefully done. Like, because they, they, they do a zoom yeah. out on him and they show both trade centers and I'm like, are they really going to show the plane hit this? And they just fade, like cut the black. I'm like, oh, okay, and then they don't, good. Yeah. Good. No, that's that's what I'm saying. It's It's tasteful. So. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Dan, I'm done. Uh, Why don't you tell them stuff 
while I finish uh, paying for a dog DNA test kit. Now, first, I need to know why you're doing that. But uh, so so prep yourself as to why you're doing such things as I tell everyone to uh, visit Netflix and Swill dot com as your one stop shop for finding all things Netflix and Swill, such as merch, our social media and where else you can find our podcast if you don't like where you're listening to it right now. Also, if you feel like it, contribute to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. Support what we do because you love us. It's it's quote unquote free entertainment, but you know. If you like what you listen to, maybe give it a a buck or two every month and let you know let us know how much you love us. Yes, do it. It won't cost much, just a dollar a month for the rest of your life. It doesn't keep the lights on. I feel like we'd do this anyway, but uh, you know, being part of something special can't beat it. So Caleb, why are you doing this dog DNA test? Uh, because I don't know anything about Maggie's breed. Um, She just kind of showed up on my doorstep one day and uh, never knew what she was, and I'm curious. Oh, I didn't know that was Maggie's origin story. Yeah, um, some friends of ours got her. I guess, like, somebody just had free puppies or whatever they were giving away. So they got her, but they had two cats that had been living there for a while, and, like, the cats fucking hated her. And we're like beating her ass and stuff because she was like a puppy and super high energy and mm-hmm. like very nosy and getting into everything. So they're like, this isn't working. You're an animal person. Do you want this dog? And I said, yes. Well, there you go. Well, that kind of reminds me of um, my sister's like dog, Gemma, who says who basically lives at our house or our house, uh, my my old house with my mom and my dad, and my brother's dog Opie. Like we have two cats who are basically established the entire time, and then whenever the dogs would hang out, like they like they would just like whap them. Like if they if they ever got too nosy <laughs> and like started sniffing their butts, they like get the fuck out of here. What the fuck's wrong with you? And the dog would be like, oh okay, and like Gemma would like slink away and just be like a lap dog basically despite the fact that she's like 60 pounds and opie would be like oh you hit me well what's this thing that you're trying to protect so much well on that note thank you space weather for the use of our theme song bitter uh which is the the taste of robert pattinson dying in the world trade center uh i do want to say they are officially hitting the studio with producer chris crummett uh and the they're I'm guessing their first studio album, uh, because their first uh, bit of music was an EP, is coming soon. So be prepared for a space weather album. Officially, they are officially doing it. Uh, coming soon, TM. All right. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed I, me I being you. drunk the whole time. <laughs> uh, until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. Tuesday.